You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, this is Haman versus Rambam. Now, I uh, called this episode, and I think you'll see why, I call it um, Measuring the Human Touch. And uh, it's a lot is going to be discussed about what does it mean touching, hugging, kissing, fondling. We're going to be talking about real practical things in terms of our lives of Kedusha. And what is Usr from the Torah? What is Usr Midrabonan? And, and how, although it seems to be just a directive in terms of how you should run your life, how there's, I believe, a, a lot of the philosophical and uh, prejudice, prejudices that we've spoken about in the last two weeks are really going to come to the fore in this sugya. Plus, I think you're going to see some very strong words from the Ramban, uh, which really reflect uh, what he feels is the proper approach to learning, and maybe even, possibly, uh, although I think it's a, uh, it might be under the surface, a rejection of some of the Rambam's um, stricter interpretations of what Kedusha means. So that's what I've set up for myself. Now, before I start, I should tell you that uh, I once gave a drosha. Uh, um, it was for the anniversary of Rav Tzodek HaKohen's site. Now, uh, there are some of you who are very familiar with this. I know, Jack, you are, of course, uh, a, a, a devotee of Ishbitz. And you know, of course, that uh, Rav Tzodek uh, HaKohen, Rabinovich, was a student of, of the Ishbitzer. And um, there was, I was once asked to speak at the yard site of Ritzaldik. And it was a uh, community-wide event. And I talked about how Ritzaldik neutralized many of the antinomian aspects that were in Ishbitz. And Ritzaldik is, 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 is almost in, in the yeshiva world uh, considered one of the great, great books to learn and be ma'ayanin and is quoted all the time. And yet, what really permeates the Sefer is a sense of the antinomian of, of, that, he, that he received from his Rebbe, uh, the Ishbitzel, um, the Meyer Shiloyach. And I used as an example something that was in the Meyer Shiloyach and Parshas uh, Pinchas, and you might remember, where the Meyer Shiloyach speaks about Pinchas being a nar, that Pinchas somehow didn't grasp what was really going on and what was really going on with Zimri's actions. That Zimri's actions were based, and of course the Meshuleach refers to the Zohar and other sources where actually the act of brazen um, uh, intercourse, as it was, with uh, a non-Jewish woman was actually what was necessary, and Pinchas didn't understand that. So I showed in my talk how Rav was able to take a lot of the beauty of Ishbitz and he was able to expunge some of the more graphic antinomian aspects of it. I still hold by that, and that's one of the things that Rav Tzodek accomplished, with many other things. A couple of days after I finished speaking, I, me- I mentioned a number of things in there, but someone, they wanted to have my hide for darshaning about Arias uh, in public. 
of actually speaking about such a, an act and explaining it in any positive manner uh, at all. In other words, I was accused of being over what the Mishnah says in the Chazal, the Mishnah in, in, in Chagiga, Ein Darshan Arayas Bishlosha, meaning this is not a topic that's meant to be discussed in a public forum. You want to learn with someone one-on-one, it's one thing, but it really should not be done. So I want to first take the bull by the horns. I'm going to be speaking some graphic things tonight. Uh, and I, I want to, uh, first of all, say what I believe Ein Darshan Barayas means. So if you look in the Rambam, the Rambam uh, quotes this, not in Hilchas Talmud but he, this is in Hilchas Yisurei the Rambam says, Ein Darshan, if you take a look and you can see the, uh, uh, you're sharing my screen. So Ein Darshan Why is it that, and the Rambam uses an interesting term here, Sisre Arayas, um, which is really the rationale. Sisre Arayas, we'll see from the Rambam in another uh, aspect today, is the rationale behind, which is what sort of we, we did the first week as well. Why don't you do that? So it's not because the public shouldn't be hearing this. He says, Because when there's three people, what's happening? What's happening is, yeah, let's say, let's say if I would unmute you and you'd have a question. Let's say one of you would have a question. So if there'd only be three people listening to me, one of them would be asking a question. And the other two, that's just the way things are. People <laughs> haven't changed. Every, they don't listen to other people's questions, especially if there's someone else with them. Vashnayim nosem v'nosem zem The other two basically are just talking among themselves about the information. And therefore, they're not really listening what the, the, the Rebbe is saying to questioner number one. So what? What's wrong with that? Well, the, what's problem is, is that question number one might have, the Rebbe might have been unclear in something that he said. The questioner two and three, when questioner two and three are listening, they're not listening. In other words, what they're doing is they're talking among themselves. They're not hearing the Rebbe's clarification. And therefore, in the Stapako so what they're going to do is, hey, what did he say? What did he say? And this is correct. Speak this, I'll admit. I'm going to be telling you coolest tonight in the Israeli secret room. And the truth is, people have a tendency because they like to find coolest in this area. That's the way things have been for thousands of years, that people like to find coolest in the area of what is permissible in the sensual area. So therefore, since they weren't listening, they're going to be. They're going to tell people kula in the name of the Rebbe. Therefore, you have to be careful when you give the drasha. Have only two people there. Why? Because if there's two people there, what's going to happen? So let's say, for example, I'm going to be telling you something about. I, I, I am going to be mentioning a Rambam, and I'm going to show you in the Rambam in the parish of Mishnah is coming up tonight that it's all right that there's no iser to stare at a woman and admire her beauty, if she's not an erva, okay? She's not one of the arayos. There's no iser of staring at her. That's going to be the Rambam says that in the Parish HaMishnayas. 
Okay. Now, I'm going to explain it, how the Rambam does that. Now, you're going to hear that from me, I hope, very soon. So someone's going to, did he just say you can go out and stare at women? Did he just say, like, you know, you could just, you know, go and gawk at women? Is that what he said? So if there would be two people listening, so even though one person would say, Rebbe, are you saying you're allowed to do it? And then I would clarify what I meant. The other person would be listening. Because he doesn't have another guy with him to schmooze with. So what else does he have to do? Of course, he could be daydreaming, but we don't expect that. So therefore, three, it's the problem is, is when you have a situation where they're all schmoozing together. That's not the problem here in Zoom. (laughs) Because, uh, well, some of you are there with your wives, but still, with Zoom, it's actually... There is no problem, if, especially if everybody is all uh, separate, because people will hopefully hear what it is that we're saying and aren't going to go off the deep end on this. So again, I thought that was an interesting, just to tell you to get that off. One other thing I just want to uh, tell you in this area, um, many people, uh, again, I start with an anecdote. Uh, when I was, uh, I went to Mir, I was one of the three youngest students in the Mir Yeshiva in, um, I forgot what year it was already, 1977, uh, when I went to Mir Yeshiva. Um, I was, uh, it was the Mir, and um, there was the three or four of us, uh, one of them is a big Rosh Yeshiva now, another one I think is a very successful businessman, but the three of us were the youngest guys in Yeshiva. No one was there, I was 17, uh, and, you know, not I wouldn't be 18 until deep into the year. Most of the students there were were at least 20. And um, I was learning uh, the Taharis then. I was learning, I wanted to go through all Taharis Mishnayas. And I got to Nida and Ziva, and I didn't understand it well. And I went to one of the Kailu guys who, to help me through it. And the person refused to explain it to me. And I remember saying to him, what's Taira? This is Taira. So definitely the, this Chassidusha approach is not to deal with this in Bochrim. But take a look here at the Chassam Sefer. and the biography of Chassam Sefer, it says that the Chassam Sefer learned with his best students who weren't married yet, and he had In general, the Chassam Sefer went out of his way. He was a great Rosh He wasn't just, uh, you know, those people who think Chassam Sefer is this big from fighter against Haskalah. Of course, that's what he was. But part of it, he was the Pesach Ador, and everybody wanted to be in his yeshiva. So he, um, he made sure to have um, uh, visual helps for his shiurim, to show them that when he had the students, he would show them what they were talking about. If he was learning chulin, if he was learning nida, if he was learning things that needed, you needed to know stuff, you needed to see it. And he said he actually had dolls. He had two dolls, one in the form of a male, one in the form of a female, that were actually uh, made perfectly, as he says, maisa uma nifla, and they were actually, it wasn't Barbie and Ken. 
They were actually with pieces, and you can actually not only see the outer piece, they were anatomically correct, they also opened up to reveal what science at that time knew about uh, the inner workings of the human body in order that people should know how the inside of a human is. Now, some safer was careful. He only showed it to Talmidim Mufakim. And he didn't show it to people in a cavalier way. But when they learned Ilchasnid and their Mishnayas to talk about the upper chamber, the lower chamber, where the blood is coming from, where the womb is, what's considered the, where the, the Sefer wanted his Talmidim to understand and know it in a graphic way, because otherwise they don't know it. In fact, what the Chassam Seifer was ruling about unfortunate cases of women who, because of the way they were bleeding, uh, they couldn't become Tahar. And the question is, is there a wound inside, somewhere inside, you know, in the vaginal wall? Is there some sort of wound there? The Chassam Seifer, I'm not sure if he did it on his own. The Chassam Seifer constructed a, a type of Kali to work, that he could actually check. And he says, the Chassam Sefer writes about it, he says, I still, I still have it, and I show my students, this is what I use to check things out. Now, was it his Rebetzin that did it? I don't know. But he had a very exact type of, uh, of obstetric equipment that was necessary to, in order to confirm this. Um, and, and just to... Uh, the Chazanish was famous for saying, If our purpose here is to learn Torah, you're not going to have bad machshavs. These last words are the words of Rav Zilberstein. I'm not sure if they apply to me, but he says the Rosh Hashiva, whoever's giving this year, should daven, there shouldn't be a takola. I say the same thing. I'm going into the breach, and Mitz Hashem, we should all be L'Shem Shamayim, and our, our understanding of things should be even stronger. Let me start with where I promised we were going to start with today. And I've got to, I've got to really scroll down here to where we started. This is, we're going to read uh, sections of the Rambam in his Sefer HaMitzvahs. Now, I know last week I sort of, and part of it was I wasn't really feeling well, but you never apologize, never apologize for not feeling well. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, and I, and I won't. And I, I stand behind everything I said last week, and I hope you appreciate it. But I gave a, a sort of a long-winded explanation of, of, of the Rambam's uh, approach and where he comes from, the Rabban. I need to tell you what the Sefer HaMitzvah is. Um, it is one of the, um, it's a work that I re- referenced, as you might remember in the letter that uh, Dr. Appleson was kind enough to send to everyone. That was the, 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 Ramba, the Rambam Sefer HaMitzvah. What is the Rambam Sefer HaMitzvah? In brief, it's his introduction to his magnum opus, the Mishnah Torah. Now he wrote it in Arabic. Now why did he write this book in Arabic? And that's one of the biggest problems of using that book because the translations, Arabic, as you know, and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, was a living a scientific 
philosophic religious language in the Middle Ages when the Rambam lived. Hebrew, on the other hand, or Lashon HaKodesh, was a language that was Tanakh-based, and there were ideas and aspects that really Tanakh uh, didn't respond to. And, and, and the Rambam, in fact, says in his Hakdama to this parish, to the, to the, to the um, Sefer Mitzvahs, that he's going to write, let's see, we have a note here. Let's take a look. No, maybe somebody else wants to come in. So um, the Rambam writes in his Hakdama to Sefer Mitzvahs that he uses the Lushan Mishnah. In other words, not real Hebrew. He says Hebrew doesn't really work um, because it's not, not Hebrew. Lushan HaKodesh isn't expansive enough. And uh, therefore, the Rambam created his own language, which is called Lashon HaMishnah, which is uh, using Mishnaic terms, because the Mishnah, of course, dealt with a more modern world, and therefore, this is what, that's the language that he uses for Mishnah Torah. Um, the Rambam says, however, I know I'm going to have readers who are going to read Mishnah Torah, and they're going to say, why is that a mitzvah? Why is that a mitzvah? Because the Rambam sort of organizes the chapters and the chapter heads of, of the Yad HaKazaka with the mitzvahs that will be found in that chapter. So since the Rambam felt that the way, the gateway into Mishnah Torah was to sort of take hold of the mitzvahs that are presented there, people are going to say, hey, is that a mitzvah? I don't think that's a mitzvah. And part of the reason why people have that impression, the Rambam said, was because there had already, there had already been a popular literature uh, about how many mitzvahs there were, and Shavuos time was the time that people throughout the Jewish world would memorize and sing about all the different 613 mitzvahs. So the Rambam knew that he was saying things that other people hadn't said, so he felt, I'm going to write sort of like an Arabic introduction, which it, you can skip it if you want to, but it's something for the people who the Rambam felt were the real intellectuals, the real uh, sophists, or the people that really want to be mafalpil, and those, according to the Rambam, were the only the ones who really spoke Arabic, um, because those, according to the Rambam, were the ones who might be interested and the ones that might give him a hard time. So therefore, the Rambam wrote this book called Sefer Mitzvahs, and he wrote it, as I said, in Arabic. The, Rav, the Rabbanim in Provence, uh, wanted a translation of it, um, and they, the Rambam seems to have been involved in choosing who the translator was, and it was um, uh, Rav Shmuel Ibn Tibbon, the son of Rav Yehuda Ibn Tibbon. Rav Yehuda Ibn Tibbon had translated the Kuzari and the Chovas Alvavos, and they asked his son to translate the Sefer HaMitzvahs, and, uh, and he was also the translator of the... Um, the modern Nebuchim as well. So I, I do believe maybe there was, it was Ibn Eov as well, who was a, a, a translator. The point is we don't have the original. Uh, and because of that, there's a lot of subtlety that's missing. We are blessed in this generation that uh, Rabbi Yosef Kifach, or Kafach, uh, in the, 19, uh, the early 60s, uh, retranslated the Sefer HaMitzvahs from the Arabic. Uh, there's a little problem, is that the what's on Barilan, which is what I was pasting from, is the old translation, and therefore it doesn't really perhaps express everything the Rambam meant. Now, the Ramban, 
I mentioned in our, in our letter of introduction to this course, the Ramban set himself as a defender of the status quo. Uh, that's not all that he is. Uh, but he felt that the Rambam in many places was too extreme in his dismissal of other people who came before him who counted the mitzvahs, primarily the anonymous sefer Bahag, which is called the Hilchos Gedolos, and we're not sure who wrote it, Rabbi Shimon Kira, Rabbi Yudoy Gon. It was written in the 8th century, and it was very well known and copied over, and uh, just there's problems with that book as well, because there's a lot of inter, inter I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, interlopations of, of others that have made its way into the book. The idea of an author's, what word, what word did I say incorrectly? You want to tell me what that word was? No, 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 I want to say something I would question. I, maybe he believed himself a, 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 a upholder of the status quo, but he is the one who really introduced the Zohar into popularizes, accepted the Zohar. That's a very, something very new. The Ramban, not the Ramban. So he yes. went, he, his own chidushim, uh, uh, if you, if you oh, will. No, I agree, uh, Dr. Kogan. In his in his parshanis in Chumash, he is he stands as the king. I've always said many times that if I was stranded on a desert island and I only had one sefer and Chumash to take, you take the Ramban with you. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I agree. In his in 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 in, in his Talmudic work, however. He wrote a sefer called Mohammed Sashem, where he defends Al-Fasi. And then he also wrote this book, which is his book, which is Hasogis Al-Arambam Sefer Amitsus, where he defends the Rambam, who the Rambam criticizes, and then he goes on the offensive against the Rambam as well. So the book, although it was taken originally to sort of defend the status quo, the Ramban ends up arguing with the Rambam. And even pointing out, and we're going to be talking about it in weeks to come, and hopefully for a long time to come, places where he feels the Rambam has made mistakes, mitzvahs he didn't count, or he was incorrect in his formulation. So that's the Rambam. So the Rambam is, is writing a list of all the mitzvahs. Okay. As we, as we already said, the Rambam looked at these psukim. Psukim and achrimos that we talked about in class number one. I want to show you there's... Three psukim, if you look in Parshas Achrimos, when it comes to, there's a, there's a general pasuk before all the ind- individual arayasin are introduced, which is, Isho kol sher legalos erva. That term, lo sikrivu, legalos erva, shows up, lo sikrivu, two other times in chapter 18. Where is that? And this one, I don't, I'm still waiting for a good reason why. In other words, it doesn't say it by a mother. It doesn't say it by a sister. It doesn't say it by a daughter. It doesn't say it by a daughter-in-law. There it says, lo sigala erva. The word lo sikravu legalos erva. Don't get close to gili erva. That is not said. It's said three times. Once in a general introduction. That's pasuk vav. You can take out a Chumash now and you can see what I'm talking about. That's Perik Yud Ches in Sefer Vayikri. You can take a Chumash out and look. In Pasuk Yud Dalid, speaking about your, your, your uncle's wife, it also says, Lo Tikrav. 
The third time it says Lo Tikrav is by a man and his wife. El Isha Benidas Tumosa Lo Tikrav, Legalos Ervata. Now, I'm sort of not being exact here because is this a man's wife or is this any woman who's a menstruant? Okay, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Clearly, it refers to a man and his wife, but as we're going to see, there's almost a universal opinion that this includes every woman who happens to be menstruating. You don't know if that's happening or not. Uh, it's only a wife who tells her husband, but usually. <laughs> but it's not necessarily uh, a husband to wife. It could be man to any nida. Okay. The other psukim that are relevant to the Rambam's case are these. That's one posik. And then, of course, the other psukim are kikol asher yasem mikol atayvasev and michrusu on the fashos ha'usos mikerev amon. Okay. I'm now introducing on the page the safro. Again, I am trying not to pander, and, and, and I'm trying not to, um, in any way. Uh, indicate that you don't understand what these things are, but I want to be exact about everything that's being introduced. What is Safra? Safra is uh, the book. What it is, is the original Drashos Chazal that are tethered to the Psukim. Um, so Sheila, the answer would probably be yes, but we're going to see. Sheila was asking, uh, if it's true that a nida is an erva, would a man's daughter, right? For if a woman, if a girl is menstruating, is she a erva to her, to her father? We'll talk about that. Good question. But anyway, but we'll see. So anyway, what is the suffering? The Safra is the ultimate book. The other books are called Sifrei. On Vayikra, that was where learning started. Torah Shabal Peh started, as we know from the Midrashim, they started the little children on Vayikra, right? That's what they started. I met many uh, Jews from Europe who said their first learning was not voracious, like mine was growing up in Memphis, the first psukim I knew from the Torah were Bereshus Bar Elokim. But actually, there are many, many Jews who grew up in Europe who started learning Vayikra. That was the safer you began with, and that was the safer you lived with. It was, it was really, in a sense, the ultimate safer. And that's why it's called Safra. The drashas of Torah Shabal Peh from Safra are in a way a vestige of the original Torah Shabal Peh. Eventually, Yehuda Hanasi and others decided that that wasn't the best style for learning Torah Shabal Peh. So what they did was they edited it into, uh, they organized it according to different subjects. That's the Mishnayis, the way we have it, in six subjects. But originally, it was much more the Wild West coming out of the Psukim. 
It's important what I'm telling you here. Because it isn't a parshanut on the, the psuke. It is the way you get your Torah Shabbat completely. You learn the Pasuk and you absorb the Torah Shabbat that's in Vayikra, in Torah Kohanim, in Safra, the book. Okay, so what does it say in the Torah Kohanim on this verse? The, the first one. So the Safra says, I want to explain something. The Safra skips the, the introductory verse and it jumps to the verse about Nida. And it says, Maybe Lotikrav means Ligalot. Right? means it's only when you're actually down and dirty, when you're actually having sex, when you're actually in that experience. How do you know that you can't just do things which don't necessarily are part of, or which, well, we'll see. Does it mean foreplay? Or does it mean, this is what we're going to talk about very uh, intensely. <laughs> so what does it mean, Shalotikrav? Even if it's not actual sex. Where does it say Lotikrav? By Nida. So now what the Safra does is says, Nida. Baltikrav, Baltigale. Nita, it says Lotikrav. Remember the other Arias, it doesn't say that, right? The other Arias, it doesn't say that. It says, it just says Lotigale. So now Nita would be the only one that, that you couldn't do Kravas to. So let's call it hugging and kissing, okay? Hugging and kissing is also by Nita, according to the Safra. Minayan Lakol Arias. How do you know that's true by all the Arias? Baltik Ravu, Baltiglu. Well, Midlomar, the Pusik says in the introductory phrase, Lotikravu Legalot, meaning this is the way Drushas work, by the way, my friends. We, the, the Darshan is holding all the cards. He's not bound by the, the, the way the Psukim show up in the Torah. He takes the, la- the later Pusik and he says, How do I know this is true by everything? By the introductory pasuk, which now tells you all the arayas have a lav of lotikru, and that's why it says ani Hashem and Hashem shalim schar. I'm going to skip a little bit more here because I I I, I don't want to get off on a on a tangent, although it's very interesting. You all have it in your in your in your in your in your study uh, in, in the study sheet. This is an, another safra that Rambam quotes. Remember it says, Ha'osot. Remember that Pasuk? Let's go back and look at it one more time. The Pasuk says, V'nichrisu anafashot ha'osot. Remember, drushas are built on the fact that there's no such thing as a rhetorical flourish or an emphasis. Drushas go with the... Every drushas chazal starts with the given that we don't use extra verbiage. And we don't need to have dramatic verbiage. So let it just say, whoever does this, v'nichrasu. What do you have to say the word osot? Who does them, right? Uh, again, a lawyer in court would say, and I demand courage for the ones who have done this dastardly act. We don't need that in the Torah. So why did the Torah have to say the word osot? That is a, a typical Torah Shabbat question. So that's the Torah Shabbat's question. Kareva. 
In other words, since we already established in the Torah's Kohanim's perspective that hugging and kissing is usher, well, maybe it's not only usher, maybe you get kares for hugging and kissing. <laughs> now, right? Just, even as, oh, we can't do this anymore. You're already chayv kares. So, the Rambam, now, in his Sefer Mitzvahs, is, 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 is listing his 365 negative commandments. Okay? So here we go. The, the negative commandment is, Okay, now remember, this is a translation that was done, by, I think, by one of the Ibn Tibbins. I think it was by Shmuel Ibn Tibbin. Um, and we'll see what he means. No kurva. Even if it's there's no sex involved. Kigon Chibuk Vinishika Vadomilahem. So here is what it, the original one of the original uh transcriptions was Mipulota Znut from actions that are done in Znut. Rav Kapach, in his original translation that was in the Rambam Laham, which is an addition many of you might have, changes has a different translation. These are actions that a person is getting pleasure from. Now, this to me is more accurate, as I'll show you. In other words, acts of hugging and kissing that are done for the sake of giving physical pleasure. He quotes the Pusik in Pusik Vav, and then he explains it. What does it mean, Lotikravu? Lotikravu me'en kiruv. Because yavi legalot erva. Now, because remember, it was kissing tonight. What's the next date going to be? What's the next situation going to be? So it's not necessarily happening now, but it's on its way. Then he quotes the safra that we just mentioned. Then he quotes the second safra. Okay, Taman Lomar Osos Akrovos. Okay. This would seem to uh, complete the Rambam's proof. Then the Rambam says, the There's another of Isra that takes care of that. And that is the post that says, We built the Asot Mechukot Hatoevot. Okay, um, I'm going to take a, a second to explain this. And the way I'm going to do it, I believe the easiest way is to just go to Machon Mamre for a second and show you the, uh, the Psukim again inside. So, if you'll take a look here. The very last Pusik, which I left out earlier. Look at Pusik Koftes. You can see it here on the screen. This one is the one about actually doing them. Mikola to Evo 
The second one is, Ushmartem es mishmarti. This one is about actual sexual connections, actual coitus. Coitus is what leads to kores. Then you have Pasakalamid, which is Ushmartem es mishmarti, meaning, be careful. Keep my charge. Okay. Do you see where I'm coming from? This is the second, this is the other, this is the Rambam's chidush in the Pasik. It's not from the Torah's Kohanim. It's the Rambam's own pshat. Notice, this one is about doing the ko- coitus itself. This one is the acts that will lead to coitus in the future. Levilti asos mechukos hatoevot. The Rambam calls these chukot toevot customs, whereas this is the toeva itself. The Rambam says this, and I'll show you in another place. The Rambam believes those actions that we talked about, about enjoying an, uh, one of the arayas, is chukos toevos. It's, it's, it's almost an attitude that that society has. And that you can't do either. And the Rambam says from the word libilti, that's enough to get makos from. That's a lota say. Libilti asot michukosa toevot. But it's not the toev itself. Now that you saw that, you can appreciate, I, I hope, much clearer what the Rambam says. The chukot are what we just referred to. Um, I'm going to clarify this a little bit more before we get to the Ramban's criticism. Remember I mentioned to you that the Rambam introduces his his actual Hebrew Mishnah Torah is introduced with the description of all the mitzvahs. This is the way he describes mitzvah 353, negative 353. Look at this. Remiza ukfitza. So the Rambam has now said that it's more than that. It includes winking, jumping, little leg move, right? Like real flirting, like real true flirting, aggressive flirting. That's also also. Um, and the Rambam says that those who are familiar with the Rambam and Mishnah Torah know that means it's from the Torah Shabal Peh. The Torah Shabal Peh, you're right, the Pasuk itself, as we're going to see, Eben Ezra says it means Tikrav means sex. It doesn't mean uh, hugging and kissing and flirting. Oh, the Rambam says this is our Torah Shabal Peh. This is what the tradition going the way, who knows how far it went, maybe from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. But that's what the Pasuk means. Okay. Um, all right. So, I'll show you one last thing here before we get to the Ramban. Okay. What I'm quoting here now, it's, it, those of you that are looking at the, uh, 
source sheet. Uh, this is not in the source sheet. I introduced it for tonight. Um, this comes from the Rambam's uh, work. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned this in my one of my other classes, and I still hold this to be true. One of the Rambam's masterpieces that is neglected, his youthful masterpiece, the commentary on the Mishnah. I'm not talking about the introduction to Pirkei Ovos, I'm not talking about Atom the Perkachelik, I'm not talking about the introduction to the Mishnah in general. His introductions uh, were translated, they were written in Arabic as well. Uh, again, the Parashah Mishnah the Rambam wrote, he started when he was 25, he finished when he was 30, and he wrote it under the most intense, difficult conditions. The Rambam writes here, let's take a look. The Rambam says that um, Haboyal, let's take a look here. The Rambam wrote in his parish on Mishnah in Sanhedrin, in Arabic, translated by Rav Kapach. Look at the way the Rambam writes it here. Haboyal ha'erva min arayas derech evorin. Now, remember what I said earlier, so I'm going to be as, as, as open as I can here. That means one of the arayas, you don't have what's called actual coitus, but basically you get involved with in a way where you, let's say it's the man, allows himself, uh, his genitals to be connected to some other limb of the woman. Derech Evarin. Then he puts right after that, in, in this parish in Sanhedrin, when he describes all the Arias, Shinoshak Achas Arias. Look at the two going together here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Kissing goes together with basically humping. Oh, Shechobak O Shinoga Be'ever Me'evareha. Kidei Lehenos. In order to get a real tingle to get to get to get excited with whichever aver it is kigon like those who basically not with their hands but they rub up against women they rub up against women's hands and women's legs and the rambam says in his parish mishnayas this is what the rabbis mean when they call menafim biyad, the Gemara and Nida. It's called, um, again, like we know in the, in, in the very graphic term, this is, the, this is a hand job. This is what it's called, sex with the hand or with the foot. The Rambam put all those together as being usr as a lav. All right? Now, Similarly, when the Rambam uh, was writing his uh, formulation in Mishnah Torah, the Rambam's formulation in Mishnah Torah, he also says, um, in the Halochas Yisraibiyah, the Rambam also says, See it here. He starts with which is, is, is again a very gross act. Then he's talking about hugging and kissing. 
those get Malkos from the Natara. And then he quotes, Ubilti Asas Mechukas Atawevos, and Wiltikar Vulagavos Erva. And Haosa Dover Mechukas Elu Areyu Choshed Alarayus. If anybody is known to do this, we don't trust him anymore. We don't trust him. He shouldn't be around them. And he sort of gets a certain uh, a distance from the community. Then the Rambam speaks about flirting. And then he speaks about So I am, I am, it seems to be that, and let, let me, let me explain this even better. One of the points the Ramban is going to have against the Rambam is that he has gone too far in what he says you're going to get beaten for, you're going to get whipped for. He feels that the Rambam has gone too far. Because um, the Rambam is going to, going to give makas to somebody that was flirting or, 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 or joking around with one of the Asia, uh, one of the Arias. And how could the Rambam do that? And the truth is, is that you get that impression from his introduction. In fact, he says this in his parasha Mishnah, the Chena Mitzachek, if you play with them. Vaschokima. Uh, the translator... Rav Yosef Kapach says, Mitzachek means like you're playing Parcheesi. You're playing, not Twister, but you're playing chess. You're playing uh, Trivial Pursuit. You're playing something where it isn't just about the game. Where the game is, there's really another game going on. And the Schok is talking about like, you know, flirting and, and saying things that are audacious. In the Parish Mishnah, the Rambam says you get makos for that. You get beaten for that. If somebody sees you do it with Australia, you get beaten. I, I, have a, I am not sure if, this, if the Rambam might have changed his mind 20 years later. Because 20 years later, when he wrote the Mishnah Torah, as you can see, we're going to scroll down to the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam seems to put them into two different categories. Uh, hugging and kissing is more with the hand jobs, and flirting is more with the other's part, okay? So I am not sure, honestly, what the Rambam would say about uh, aggressive flirting, what he would say in that case. Again, I'll show you again the Lashon of the Rambam. Um, the Rambam says, here he puts hugging and kissing, um, hand jobs that we talked about, Then, Halacha Beis, assuming that this is accurate, this is where he says that you can't flirt, you can't hint, you can't joke, and you can't smell her besomim, you can't stare at her beauty. And here the Rambam says, it's Durabonan. That if someone really wants to get Hanok from that, we're going to give him Makos. Okay, so I'm not sure about this part. And that's basically the Rambam's opinion with a little bit of a question mark. Let's take a look at the Ramban's aggressive critique on this Ramban. 
He really takes the Rambam to task here, and it's surprising that he does with the vehemence, I believe, that he, that he shows here. And that, so let's take a look at the Rambam. Here it is. First, he quotes the Rambam. Let's take a look. I can't deny, Nachmanides says, that the Rambam has found a brysa. Okay, a Taras Kohanim, a brysa. Now, remember, brysa means something that's outside. Okay? It's not a Mishnah. Technically, it was the original Mishnah, right? Technically, it's even more uh, it's even more uh, a, a legalistic, uh, affirmative, uh, definitive document than the Mishnah in terms of its provenance, in terms of its age. But the Ramban rejects that. The Ramban refers to the Torah's Kohanim as a b'risa, and the b'risa is open. The Rambam created this love. He says you get makos for it, but he's hanging it on a big tree. Those of you that sat through last week appreciate what I'm just saying here. The Ramban is saying, do your Talmud work. Mr. Rambam, if you would be ma'ayan in the Talmud, you would find out it's not that way. Looking in the Talmud shows you that that's not the case. And he forces us to open up the Gemara. We don't have much time. I will tell you the Gemara starts with a question. The Rambam, the Ramban, gives you what the question is. The question is, can a woman who is a menstruant sleep with her husband in the same bed? However, as we know, in those days there were no uh, flannel pajamas, basically heat, there was no uh, indoor heat. It was standard practice for men and women to sleep commando, and that meant they'd be together underneath the bed, in the cover, perhaps, in the cover, yes, but unclothed. The question was, can they sleep in the same bed with clothing on? The Ramban says, there's one opinion that says it's also. But then the Gemara says, the great Rav Pedas, an early Amora, says that it's not true. The only thing that's usher is Gilyerva. Why? So instead of doing the drosha of the Teres Kohanim, Rav Pedas says, look at the Basik, Lo Tikravu. But doesn't just say Lo Tikravu. Lo Tikravu means Legalos Erva. Vihine. A Lo Tikravu Legalos Erva Nidrashohem Lava Beneyatsmo. They don't say that Lo Tikravu is like the Rambam's Teres Kohanim, Hashnuya Bisafro. What does it mean? It means exactly that. Kreva is sex itself. And then he says, like almost browbeating the Rambam, everybody knows that's what the Talmud would do. If the Rambam would be right, if the Bryce is really truly telling you that Lotik Ravu is from the Torah, you get Makos. And Rav Padas disagreed because Rav Padas is Mr. Parshan, Mr. Eben Ezra, early version of Eben Ezra. 
Hayabali Gemara may vimo solavutiyufta. The Bali Gemara wouldn't just say, hey, are you arguing with that? They would say, You're go to the showers, buddy. Tiyufta. You've been shlugged up, as we say in Yiddish. You're up geshlugged. And, and how would they introduce it? If you look in the Gemara, they would introduce it with the word meisve, which it doesn't say. It says uplige with rapidas. And they would have come up with a tiyufta against rapidas, umalim, and the Gemara would have ended with the words tiyufta, the rapidas, tiyufta, which is a standard expression. Remember what I said last week about Nachmanides forging his approach, despite his incredible learned reading, his understanding, everything comes out of Shas. You look in Shas, it doesn't say that. That's not what the Shas did. I don't deny the Tereskohanim is there. I've got the same Tereskohanim you got, Rambam. But Nav and Mayim, we see from them, from the Baliyat Talmud, and they're the ones who set the pace. They are the ones who are definitive. Ki et salam, as far as the Shas was concerned, ze ha'isr midarabona. If there's an isr, it's isr midarabona. Now, now the Ramban, sort of like any brilliant person, says maybe it's something else. Oh, Yemen at Torah. It could be it's from the Torah. Why? They called the Mishani Mi Isura Isura who? Okay. Just like Chatsi Shir. Ki'inyan v'chatsi Shir. Now Chatsi Shir, I'm going to go backwards. Chatsi Shir would mean it's, it's Yom Kippur. And the Shir of Yom Kippur that's Osir is Kikoseves Agaso, a big fat bait. So let's say you have less than that. That's called Chatsi Shir. It's Osir from the Torah. According to Rabbi Yochanan. Why is it also in the Torah? The Torah says, Rabbi Yochanan says, but it's on the way. That's what gets you there. So it could be that this, but you don't get matos. You only get matos if you need a kosevis, or if you're eating chaylet, it would be a kazayas. Chatsi shir is also in that's true. But there's no matos for that. So maybe one could say, that hugging and kissing and the other things the Rambam talked about are a chatzi, sort of like it's, it's, it, you're getting hana from sex is the ultimate hana. The, 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 the sexual act with its, is the ultimate pleasure in its com- almost exact form. So therefore, you would say this is partly there. The <laughs> And then he says, again, lecturing the Rambam, hey, there's a lot of stuff in Sifra and Sifrei that are only asmachtas. Don't think everything there, even though it sounds like a drosha, is Torah in reality. Mipi Ashmua, as the Rambam called it. They're asmachtas. In fact, Rapidas has shot behind him. And he quotes the Pasuk by Moitzi Shemra, the Ekra Ve'lechav Le'imotzosila B'Sulim. Ekra Ve'lechav means sex. Also in Yeshaya, in Novi, Ekra Ve'lechav. That means having a baby, getting her pregnant. And even by Matan Torah. What did the Torah say? It doesn't word the word Ekra, but three days before the Torah was given, the Torah writes, 
What, what was that business about? Was it about they couldn't hug or kiss? Was that what it was? No. God did not want any sexual contact because what would happen is if there would be sexual contact, the woman might not get pregnant from it. And what happened is she might ex- expunge the, the, the semen that was inside of her. And what would happen then is that she would be tummy by the time of Mount Torah. And God wanted men and women both to be completely tohor in the amazing moment of the giving of the Torah. But the only thing that they were prohibited in doing, al-tichu the Ramban says, was having sexual union. If you take a look in Parshas Kedoshim, it says the word tikrav. When it speaks about bestiality. And over there, what does it mean? Tikrav, el kol It doesn't mean there's an isser in, you know, in petting the dog. It's talking about, you know, it's talking about the real thing. Now, the Ramban says, maybe you're going to say to me, oh, you've proved this Rav Padas. Oh, you've proved, maybe, maybe Rav Padas is the one who says that. But if you look in the Gemara, the Gemara says it's Osir. They hold Kreva is Osir from the Torah. So the Ramban, and I'm not going to have time to show you this, but the Ramban is certain that, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more the next time, but the Ramban is certain that the Gemara does not mean that Rav Padas is the outlier. In fact, if you look in the Gemara in Shabbos, which is it's in your source sheet, the Ramban also quotes in the Gemara the case of Ula. The Gemara says about Ula that Ula would come home from the base Madrash and he would kiss his sisters. He would kiss his sisters on their hands. The Ramban does not quote the other version where they would kiss his sisters on their chests, but he would do it in a way to show love and affection. Even though, obviously, they would never have done such behavior to a married woman. So you see, Ul and Rapadas, he calls them Kulam, they don't have this medrash of Osik There is a Pasuk in Yecheskel that seems to prove that, but Rav Padas disagrees. In fact, the Ramban goes so far to say, even though Padas uses the terms lo ostra Torah, that's what Rav Padas says, what it really means is it's not ostra at all. And the Ramban quotes three other places in Shas, Again, this is the Ramban, the master of Shas, a Gemara in Megillah, Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Gemara in Bava which uses the words lo asr Torah to mean it's not asr at all. That's by Avodah Zorah, about uh, making various uh, suros for various images, and also in terms of interest, taking interest. In all three cases, the Ramban has three cases where he can prove that this term, lo asra Torah, means it's, it's not, <laughs> that it's actually allowed. Now, 
if it's allowed, then what is, it's allowed even rabbinically? That's what the Ramban is saying. It's allowed even rabbinically. What's allowed, what's not allowed rabbinically is this. Hugging, kissing, lying down together when you're both in, <laughs> unclothed. That's what's also. Why? Because that is truly the gateway to sex. And therefore, even though that's only Durabanan, that's what the price is referring to. That definitely is, is the Rabbanan. Another point here I just want to uh, conclude with. You remember, the, the, the Ramban saw in the beginning of Mishnah Torah, the Rambam writes, flirting. Remember? Remiza ukfitza. He said, where did he get that from? Afaleya muloka? You're going to get makos for flirting? Makos from the Torah. So the Ramban I don't know if he meant it seriously. He said, there's another Bryce that maybe the Rambam got a hold of, although he doesn't quote it. It's in the Ovos de Rebinosim. The Ovos de Rebinosim says that everybody needs to make a siog. Everyone needs to protect themselves. Okay. How do you protect yourself? The Torah protects itself by saying, don't hug, don't kiss. The Yadaber Imam, don't say sweet nothings. Don't talk silly stuff. He says, This is where the Rambam got hinting and jumping and, 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 and silly little flirting from. Because the Brisa in the Ovis de Rabnoson said, Yadaber Dvarim So, the Ramban finds what could be the source of the Rambam. And then he turns on him viciously and says, The Rambam is a Dover bottle. What do you think? When you speak to your wife, you're going to get love and Malchus from the Torah. Rambam, read the whole Brisa. It says, you're right, sleeping in the same bed with, in, 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 in your flannel pajamas. But then it says right after, I might think that she should wash her face when she's a menstruant and she should put on makeup. She should be sad. This Ovis Rabnosan says. When a woman is a menstruant, she should look ugly. She should her sadness should her external should should reflect what's going on inside of her. Mikan Amru, the Bryce says, If she looks ugly, if she looks mius while she's a nida, the Chachamim are happy with her. So the Ramban says, that cannot be from the Torah. That's only an Asmachta. And the truth is, in our Talmud, our Gemara mentions this in Shabbos and says that it's actually mutter for a nida 
to look beautiful during her time that she is in men- she is menstruating. And we want that to happen. Rabbi Akiva fought for it. So therefore, the Rambam, the Ramban says that the, the, Ramba, the Rambam has been fooled. He's found these brises, but these brises are the rabbinical approach. And even some of that has been jettisoned. These are siogim, and these are asmachtas, and these, this has no place in a book that's there to describe what are the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's not what the lav is itself. So that's quite, as I said, quite an incredible uh, attack on the Rambam. So I've set the table, I hope, for what we... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.